0: Hi guys, you're listening to Irrepressible, the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Ashley. I'm an entrepreneur, a content creator, and I have a background in styling where I've worked alongside some of the biggest names in Hollywood, like Ariana Grande and Melissa McCarthy. You're in the right place if you're looking for a realistic approach to life, because we're about to have some eye-opening conversations on how to do so. So let's jump into today's conversation. Hello, hello. Welcome to Irrepressible. I am Erica Ashley. For anyone who is new here, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. I am finally doing an astrology episode. I know you guys have asked for this episode in the past, but to be honest, it never felt like the right time. And I also really felt determined that it had to be with the right person. And I feel like this episode is that. I have Swan on the podcast today, and she is an expert in astrology. And I learned so much by talking to her. I have limited knowledge when it comes to astrology. Like, I know my sign. I'm a Scorpio. I had to look up all the others. Um, and like I understand kind of like. Mercury retrograde. And like, I know some things about other signs because I have people in my life and it's like the people that are closest to me, I know their signs. Um, But like when it really comes to understanding what astrology is trying to tell us and communicate to us and how we can use it to our benefit, it's way over my head. And in talking with Swan, that was very clear to me just how much Information is needed to truly understand what is happening with the planets and how they're affecting us. After speaking to her, I'm like, this is so fascinating. And I'm curious to learn more about it just to see how it could benefit me in my everyday life. I know some people are at different levels with astrology where like they check charts every single day. Or other people, you know, like read a horoscope, but like, what does that really mean? And so her and I deep dove into all of that. You're going to hear about astrocartography, which I thought was insane. And I still have not looked at my chart and I need to, because I'm convinced I know where some of my lines are. And like the thing that I want to preface really this episode with is that, just because something is quote unquote written in the stars does not mean that it is deterministic as swan says and she really emphasized that and also really emphasized that like the stars aren't predicting terrible outcomes they're not going to tell you horrible things they're really just there to help you understand the energy of what's going on and why like some people feel things more at different times and she talks about the link between astrology and psychology, which I had never considered. And I was like, this is so wild. This is so fascinating. I love learning anything and everything I can about the brain um, without actually going to school to like study the brain. But this was something I was like, oh my God, I love this idea, this concept. And so I think you will find this episode really informative and really interesting we had fun recording it. Um, we talk about Chris Jenner. We talk about just so many different things. So I'm going to let you hear the episode before I explain the entire episode to you. So with that, I hope you enjoy. And here is Swan. Would you want to give us a little background on who you are, what you do, and how you got into the world of astrology?
1: Yeah, so my name's Sarah or Swan. I'm an astrologer and a tarot reader. And it's kind of something that I've always been interested in since I was really little. When I was like a little girl, my mom used to have tarot cards and I would play with them and like try to understand what they meant and read through the books. Um, and I remember like going to the crystal shop and like loving looking at all the different kinds of crystals and stones, but I wasn't really exposed to astrology as like a technique and a concept um, until I was older, I think. Um, Well, I would read like horoscopes and stuff like that in newspapers as a kid, too. So it was something that I was like vaguely aware of and had on my radar for sure. But it wasn't something that I was super deeply steeped in. Um, And then I think as I got older and started to explore more of what my own belief systems were and what I wanted to pursue in order to make sense of the world, um, I started to discover more about astrology and how it linked with psychology. And that was something that was super, super interesting. To me. And so then when the world shut down in 2020, I had this great opportunity of all this alone time to really deep dive into all of these things that had been interesting to me that I had been like focusing on a little bit, but it really gave me the opportunity to go deep.
0: I have never thought about the fact that like there might be a connection between astrology and psychology, but now that you say that, I'm like, I could see that.
1: Yeah, this is actually like one of my favorite applications of astrology is using it for personal development tied with psychology, because in my perspective, these are like two of the things that nobody is immune to. I think uh, we all have a brain, so we all like nobody's immune to psychology. So it would probably benefit you to learn about how your brain works um, and what you can do to support its health and its function so that you can accomplish the goals and the things that you really want to in life. So that was one of my big focuses. And then astrology, we also, I feel can't escape because we're all part of this collective energy and we're also intrinsically linked to each other. Um, So it's been really interesting to me to see the ways that these astrological energy waves play out in my life and the lives of the people around me and how like similar themes play out, but they come out in different ways. It's really cool.
0: It's interesting that you say that because I feel like my experience with astrology isn't a ton. Like I know my sign and things like that and a little bit about it. But when I was in college, one of my roommates, she was very into like the moon dictates a lot of things. And I was always like, this is not like, I don't get it. And she, I remember her telling me, she's like, the moon literally affects the waves of the ocean and you're 75% water. And you think the moon isn't having an effect on you. And I was like, okay, wait, that's a good point.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I remember I heard something really similar to that. And that also struck me. And I was like, whoa, wait, that actually makes sense. And like, they've done some studies and I don't have any numbers off the top of my head, but I think there are higher rates of like crime and higher instances at the hospital. I've talked to people who have worked in healthcare, who've worked in social services for like long careers. And I've asked them like, do things get weird around the full moon? And I've had lots of people tell me, Oh, that was always when it was the weirdest when, when there was a full moon or when there was an eclipse or something like that, we would have strange things happen on our shift. And I always thought that was really, really interesting. Um, because modern society does not put a lot of emphasis on the moon, but historically we've used the moon for planting. We've used the moon for like seasonal, keeping track of the seasons, keeping track of the time, keeping track of the months, um, and the harvests. And so I think the moon is something that's really interesting to pay attention to in terms of like patterning and cycles.
0: Yeah. That's so interesting. Also I've heard, and I don't know if this is true, but that for a lot of women, their cycles sync up with the phases of the moon?
1: Yeah. So this is something that you can check out personally, if you're, you know, when your cycle is, you can look and say, okay, what part of the moon phase does this happen during? And is it happening consistently during the same time? I think it's really interesting. I found a lot of women have it either around the full moon or the new moon. Um, And it's not a hard rule, but it's kind of interesting to see where your cycle falls relative to the moon cycle. Um, and there are resources out there that can help you figure out what that might mean energetically for you.
0: Okay. So when it comes to astrology in basic terms, why should we pay attention to it? Like, what is it actually trying to tell us?
1: That's a great question. So I think part of why I like paying attention to astrology is It allows me to be aware of the energetic currents that are happening both like currently in my life and in the lives of people around me and the upcoming energetic currents that I might anticipate to be experiencing soon. Um, I don't find astrology to be deterministic, so I don't find that things will happen exactly one way. I don't think you can look at the astrology and say there's one set hard dead outcome. Um, because it is all energy and energy fluctuates and it moves. Um, But I do think that it can be really beneficial as a reflection tool for helping you pay attention to what are the themes going on in my life? How are the seasons affecting me? What are the seasons and cycles of my own life? um, And how can I work with that energy in order to move myself forward? And I think it's really, really cool to see the ways that our own personal energy interacts with The seasons and the cycles of the world, and it's given me the opportunity to look at that in a way that I never really had before.
0: Now that you just said that, I had this thought, and I've never had this thought before. But we live such cyclical lives, like in terms of like this next hour—that that's a cycle. A day is a cycle. A year, a month. So of course, the planets are going to be another cycle.
1: Yes, and it's super super interesting to see how they like correlate um, with our own lives. And it's given me just a different measure because I think societally, we do measure things in some cycles. We measure like years, we measure school years, we measure like life milestones. And so being able to measure things by seasons that aren't broken up by month, but are broken up in accordance with the energy of the earth has been really interesting for me and helped me feel more connected to the planet that we call home and the energy that we're all a part of and has helped me get a lot closer to the goals that I want to reach. Also with the cycles thing, I think it's really interesting because in my work, I found both in my own life and in my clients' lives that people will come to me and say, I've noticed a pattern in my life where every spring, the same kind of energy comes up where it might not be exactly the same situation, but the same types of events or the same types of energies come up. And it's been really interesting to be able to look at the astrology and say, these are the planets, or this is the house that's being highlighted right now. And so this is the energy that might be coming up for you. And there's an astrological reason that you can look at and say, oh, this is part of my own intrinsic energetic cycle. This is part of my story.
0: That makes sense. So like, for instance, right now we're in Mercury retrograde and that's affecting all of us in some way or another, but based on our own specific birth charts, it's going to affect us differently, even though we're all kind of under the same umbrella of it. Is that right?
1: Yes, exactly. So this Mercury retrograde is happening. It's starting in Gemini and Mercury is moving retrograde. So it appears to move backwards along the ecliptic, along that same path that it's already traveled. Um, so it'll move backwards into Taurus, which is the previous sign, which is where it is right now. And so for everybody, it's moving from Gemini into Taurus, but where Gemini and Taurus fall in everybody's chart might be different. And this depends on what your ascendant or your rising sign is. So your ascendant or your rising sign sets up the rest of the whole sign house system, which I use whole sign houses. I find it to be the most accurate and reputable and reliable. So if you want to find out where this Mercury retrograde is falling in your chart, I would really recommend you looking it up. I would set your house system to whole sign houses. And then I would find the house where Gemini and Taurus are falling in your, in your chart. It'll be one house for Gemini and one house for Taurus. And you can see some of the themes that this Mercury retrograde might be activating for you.
0: Okay. And can you explain houses?
1: Absolutely. So the astrological wheel is 360 degrees and it's split into 12, 30 degree sections. Um, and so these segments are each attribute or like they're each given to a sign. So Aries will be one whole sign house, then Taurus, then Gemini, and they'll go around the wheel. Whatever your ascendant is will determine which one is the first house. And the first house is that house of self. Um, and so whatever your ascendant is, will take that whole first house, And then the rest of the whole sign houses will fall in accordance from that.
0: And is your ascendant the same thing as your sun?
1: The ascendant is the same thing as your rising sign. So this is a great question too. Your sun can actually fall in any of the 12 houses. So most people are most familiar with their sun sign. Uh, But the sun can actually fall in any of the 12 houses, which represent the different areas of life. And I find that when it comes to identity and personality, I find the rising sign to actually be the most important because the rising sign is where the Eastern horizon is at the moment of your birth. And if you think about the Eastern horizon, this is where the sun rises. This is where all the other planets will rise over that Eastern horizon. So this is where energy comes into the world and becomes visible and we become aware of it. And so on that Eastern horizon line at the moment of your birth, this is where your energy separates from your mother's energy and becomes energetically independent. And so wherever that Eastern horizon line is, is wherever your energy is rising into the world at that moment. And so the ascendant is a really important sign and it sets up that whole first house, which has to do with soul and identity and personality and self. If you're born in the beginning of May, you'll Be a Taurus sun. And so that Taurus sun could fall into any of the 12 houses. So a Taurus sun might portray a lot of Taurus traits. But also, if you're born at night, your moon is your primary luminary. So people born at night might want to look to their moon sign before they look to their sun sign.
0: Oh, Um, that's so interesting.
1: Yeah, but I always look to the rising sign before both luminaries as well.
0: Okay. So I wrote mine down because when people ask me, I'm always like, I'm a Scorpio. And And like, I laugh because people, when they hear Scorpio, people get weird about Scorpio, but so my sun is in Scorpio. My moon is Pisces and my rising is Virgo.
1: Oh my goodness. We're both Virgo risings and Pisces moons. That's oh, so that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. That's so cool. And you're Scorpio son.
0: Yeah. I'm a
1: Libra sun. Oh, so we're close. So we're pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that's interesting. Yeah. People, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. This is one of my favorite myths to bust where people love to say, I hate X sign. Usually a Scorpio. Just, you will go with Scorpio <laughs> here. Cause for me, I had an ex who was a Scorpio. So for a while, I was this person who said, <laughs> I hate Scorpios. I don't want to be around them. And the truth is all of us have all 12 signs in our chart. So if you think you hate Scorpio, You probably need to get in touch with the Scorpio part of yourself and show it a little bit more love and compassion Um, because it's essential for all of us to have all 12 signs and their energy to be expressed in some way. Scorpio can be an intense sign. It's the sign of intensity, of transformation, of death and rebirth, of desire. Um, So it can be a really, really intense sign, but we need that intensity. We need that death and rebirth. We need that transformation in order to reach the next level. And life wouldn't be the same without death. And that's something that, yeah, that darkness is heavy, but it provides such a contrast to light that's so necessary and important. So I think it's important for everybody to recognize and make peace with all of the signs to some degree, um, because we all have all 12 of them in our own charts. Yeah.
0: That's so funny. I love that. Also just like a random side note, Chris Jenner and I have the same birthday and people are like obsessed with her and her like how she built this empire, so you should love Scorpios. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Scorpios are very like determined, and you can see that in that Scorpio sun there. Yep.
0: Yeah. Okay. So then, what does it mean for us that we have a Pisces moon and a Virgo rising?
1: So the Virgo rising will set up for us our whole sign house system. For each of us, we'll have Virgo in the first house, and so okay. that would put Pisces in our seventh house. So for us, we both have a seventh house moon. Um, so the seventh house talks about one-on-one relationships, partnerships. Um, that kind of thing. It can talk about marriages, but also business partnerships and areas where we come together one-on-one with other people. So I think it's interesting for you and I both to even be in the space where we're one-on-one connecting with each other and talking to each other. Cause as a Pisces moon, this is one of my areas of strength. And one of my favorite things to do is to talk about these great spiritual, bigger picture concepts, which relates to Pisces, um, in a one-on-one setting.
0: Okay. So when there's a house that talks about relationships, you also hear a lot about like, I feel like it's kind of a meme on the internet where people are like, what's his sign? Are you guys compatible? How real is that?
1: Okay. Yes. This is another question that I love because like, yes, it's real, but it's not as straightforward as people want it to be where I wish I could tell you that it's as straightforward as like Aries and Libra are perfect together. And if you match up, then you'll be great. But it's so much bigger than that. Um, Like we've just talked about how your rising sign is important, how your sun can fall in any of the 12 houses. Your moon can also fall in any of the 12 houses. That's also true of your Venus, your Jupiter, your Mars, these other planets that we can look to for both romance and expansion and abundance and passion and drive. Um, So it's really not quite as cut and dry as like these two signs are a great match and if you're this and that, it'll match up. I really like to look at how do your houses fall relative to each other? How do they line up with each other? Um, Are your rising signs of the same quadruplicity or triplicity? So are they both mutable, fixed, or cardinal? Are they of the same element? How do your sun and your moon fall into each other's charts? Where are your venuses relative to each other? where does your Mars or your Jupiter fall relative to each other? So there's a lot more things that I look at rather than just, oh, what's his sign? As much as I wish it could be that straightforward sometimes.
0: I actually love that answer though, because I feel like when people are like, oh, this sign and this sign or whatever, I feel like you're just stuck in a box and it's like, well, okay. (laughs) But now I feel like there's so much freedom. Not that I feel like everything's ruled by astrology. My interpretation of it is that it's kind of like a guidebook, something nice to have with you and not a set of rules. Um, so that answer perfectly is aligned with that feeling.
1: Yeah. I think in astrology for me, it's important to recognize its flexibility because everything is, is an energy and it's a wavelength. And so that wavelength can vibrate higher or it can vibrate lower and it can express in a variety of ways. And so that's one of the reasons why I really think astrology is not deterministic and why you can't say, oh, this will for sure happen because the astrology says this. I really think it's, this could happen based on these things, but it's sort of like trying to predict something without accounting for all of the factors. You can't quite see the full picture. Does that make yeah. sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, so you also just mentioned there's mutable, fixed, and I forget the third one. Can you explain what that means?
1: Yeah. So there's a variety of energies that signs can have. And so they're split into different categories. And so the, there are triplicities and quadruplicities. And so the triplicities are whether they're cardinal fixed or mutable. So cardinal signs start seasons. And so these have a really initiative energy to them. They tend to begin things. And so these are Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. So If you think about the start of spring, that's Aries season, right? That Mm -hmm. spring equinox, we're beginning the year. So Aries season has this very youthful, initiative energy to it. Um, And so do the other cardinal signs. The fixed signs are associated with the middles of the seasons. And so they're very stable and they fully embody the energy of that season. So Taurus is the middle of spring. Leo is the middle of summer. Scorpio is the middle of fall. And Aquarius is the middle of winter. And then the mutable signs come at the end of the season. These represent duality and change. This is where the the season is starting to shift. And so there's an element of shiftingness and mutability in the sign. And so these are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. And these end things and allow them to transition.
0: And so then within each of those, I know all the signs are either earth, air, water, or fire. That is also in combination with whether they're mutable or fixed or cardinal.
1: Yep. So those are the quadruplicities is what their element is. Um, And so the fire signs are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. And so Aries is a cardinal sign, Leo is a fixed sign, and Sagittarius is a mutable sign. So there's one of each of the triplicities in within that quadruplicity, within that element. Um, And that's true of the other elements as well. Each of them will have one cardinal, one fixed, and one mutable sign.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. I never knew that. And then what are some of the characteristics of each one of those four? Like earth, like what does that really mean or water?
1: Yeah. So the fire signs tend to be, again, a little bit more like fiery, a little bit more initiative. They tend to have a little bit more energy, um, spontaneousness to them. Earth signs tend to be a little bit more stable, grounded energy. If you think about the earth, that really solid foundation. Um, air signs tend to be a little bit more cerebral. They tend to think a little bit more. They tend Mm. to relate more to ideas and communication and conversation and water tends to relate more to emotions and that fluidity and that ability to flow with circumstance.
0: Okay. So now that we kind of have an understanding of like where each one of the signs is, we just entered Gemini season. So what does that mean for us?
1: Yeah. So Gemini season is a mutable air sign. So it's mutable. So it's got that double bodied quality to it. There's an element of duality of shifting of change. Um, and so this is a time when things really start to shift or shifting from spring into summer. There's a lot of like graduations happening. There's a lot of like big life changes happening. And so you can see the shifts in society that are starting to happen. And so there's this energy with it being Gemini relating again, air signs, ideas, communication, those kinds of things. There's a sense of talking about new ideas, talking about about the next direction that we're heading in. And with Mercury, the ruler of Gemini, being retrograde and moving into Taurus, there's this element of bringing these ideas that we've talked about into the fixed space and into our fixed structures. So last year, I believe we had our retrogrades in Earth signs. Don't quote me on that 100%. This year, they're in air signs moving into Earth signs. So that I do know for sure. So... Our first one we're having in Gemini and it'll retrograde into Taurus. The next one we'll have will be in Libra season, I believe, and it'll retrograde um, from Libra into Virgo. So there's this element throughout the year as we have these retrogrades of all of these ideas and things that we're reconsidering and thinking about as we have this retrograde period becoming part of our grounded structures and becoming part of our foundation as we're integrating that as Mercury moves into these earth signs. So
0: Mercury retrograde gets a lot of bad rep, but is that totally accurate or is it beneficial for us?
1: I think, so this is a fun one because Mercury as a planet is inherently neutral. It's neither feminine nor masculine, and it's not a benefic or a malefic. It's really neutral and it, is the thespian of the astrological set. It can play the part of whatever sign it's in. And so it really depends on where the Mercury retrograde is happening and what other planets might be co-present with it that can impact the energy and the qualities of that retrograde. And so this retrograde with it starting in its home sign, there's really this Mercurian theme to it where we're really focusing on these pure Mercury ideals, which has to do with communication. It has to do with writing. It has to do with our behavior. It has to do with the way that we think, like literally the physical structures in our mind that control our thoughts. Um, And then the way that our physical behavior exhibits those thoughts. And so it's really interesting to see this retrograde happening and all of the shifts that I'm starting to notice in my own life around in my society um, and my friend groups where we're really talking about perspectives and talking about how can we shift our own psychology and how can we shift our physical brain structures in order to create positive change in the world.
0: Okay. And so then for people who maybe don't believe in astrology or don't know anything about it, this stuff is still affecting them on like a subconscious level where they're just not aware, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I think that, like I said at the beginning, astrology and psychology are two things that nobody is immune to. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to believe in astrology. Astrology is not even necessarily something I would say I believe in. It's something I observe and Mm -hmm. something I experience Mm -hmm. where I'm watching for patterns. I'm looking at these cycles. I'm being aware of these cycles. And I'm saying, how is this applicable in my own life? I recognize the patterns that are showing up. And once i become aware of the patterns, it gives me the ability to shift it and change it. So I think that societally, we all go through patterns. And whether you choose to follow astrology or not, you're going to have your own cycles and you're going to have your own patterns. And how you choose to become aware of those or choose to remain ignorant to them is up to you. But I found astrology to be a really powerful tool in helping me become aware of my own cycles and patterns and seasons in my life.
0: Got it. Okay. So if somebody has their birth chart and they're like, I know where all of my placements are, how do I use this? How do I use this daily, weekly, monthly? What is your um, advice on that?
1: Yeah. So this is really interesting. I like this question a lot. Um, I go back to my birth chart pretty frequently, maybe not daily, but probably definitely weekly, where I'll go back through and I'll look at both how the current astrology and the current transits are affecting my chart. So what areas of my chart might be highlighted right now, and also how my intrinsic energy might be best expressed and how I can either raise that vibration or lower that vibration. Um, Generally, I'm trying to raise my vibration and achieve more with my life. So if I'm coming up against something, um, sometimes it's really interesting to look at the astrology and say, How could I maybe shift this energy in a way that would work with my chart? And that's been really cool to do.
0: Are there websites or like apps or something that tells you what the planets are doing real time?
1: Yeah. So if you go online to any of the same chart sites that you would use to draw your birth chart, um, you can either put in the time of right now or if you type chart of the moment, a lot of things will be able to pull up where everything is right now based on your location.
0: Do you have a website that you like to um, use for birth charts?
1: Um, I think the one I use is called AstroCharts. I find that it draws the charts the prettiest. Um, <laughs> I recommend this one for individual charts and for charts at the moment. I do not recommend this one for synistry charts. If you want to draw up like your chart with somebody else's chart overlaid, this is something that people do for romance and that kind of thing. Um, I found that when you enter the information for synistry it throws off the ascendant and the placements for some reason. Um, but if you do it as just an individual birth chart, it pulls up everything correctly and I've cross-checked it. That's
0: so interesting. I've never heard of synastry.
1: Yeah, it's super interesting. It's a way to look at two different charts and how they relate to each other. So this is one when we're talking about relationships and when people want to say, oh, well, what's his sign? Is he compatible with you? Synastry charts is a really cool way to look at what your compatibility might look like, where you can actually overlay your two charts together and see how do your planets line up with each other? Where are they falling relative to each other's houses? And that can be a really cool, insightful tool to see how you might relate to each other.
0: And then if you don't relate, it's not like an end all be all.
1: It's so variable where it could say, these are potential challenges based on these two energies. And these are ways those Mm. energies might have conflict or friction but I think that it's possible for any two people to have conflict or friction. So that's not necessarily a determining factor.
0: Okay. I know this isn't something you specialize in, but I just wanted to touch briefly on astrocartography because I find that this is also really interesting. And I I didn't learn about it until recently, and I actually haven't looked up mine, but I want to, can you explain what it is and why somebody would want to look it up?
1: Yeah. So astrocartography is really fun. This is probably one of the more like fun applications of astrology that I found. Um, It's a newer technique. It was developed during the second half of the 20th century. um, And it looks at where all of the planets were on an axis point. So either in your first house, your fourth house, your seventh house, or your 10th house at the moment of your birth. Um, And so then it'll draw a line a map of the entire planet everywhere where these planets were in one of those access point positions. And this can show you where your your energy might be inherently activated by the energy of the earth and by the way that the planetary energies interact with each other.
0: So essentially kind of a map to tell you where you might thrive.
1: Yes. definitely. And
0: and what if like, what if your lines run through the middle of the ocean or something? And you're like, I, literally can't
1: live there? Um, I have a lot of lines that run (laughs) through the middle of the ocean, honestly. So I relate to that. Um, That does happen, but ideally there will also be other lines that don't run through the ocean. Um, So that might not be one worth visiting, (laughs) (laughs) but there should be other ones. It's really interesting to look at because there can really be a wide variety. I've seen some that have a lot of lines really close together and I've seen ones that are very wide reaching. Um, So it's really cool to look at.
0: And then I heard that there's different lines mean different things, maybe where you had would have career success or friendship or where you should live or settle down, things like that.
1: Yeah. So especially like for career, those are going to be the MC placements. So the MC is the mid heaven and that's, that relates to the 10th house, which talks about career. And so if you're looking at an astrocartography map, each of the planetary symbols should have either like AC, DC, IC, or MC next to it. And so this can tell you an additional characteristic of the planet and where on the axis it was at the moment of your birth. So those MC planets are going to relate more to career. Those DC planets might relate more to romance and love. Those IC planets might relate more to your foundations, your subconscious mind and your roots. And then the AC planets will relate more to your soul and your personality and your independent identity.
0: Got it. That's so fascinating. There's like so many ways you can use this to your benefit.
1: There really are. And I haven't gotten much chance to explore with it yet since much of the world was shut down when I first discovered this, but I did go on one trip through one of my astrocartography lines and it was a place that it was Moab. And originally I wasn't anticipating anything because this was a stop on our road trip. We were going to the grand Canyon. And it was literally like one night in Moab and I have a Pluto line that runs straight through there, Pluto IC. And so when I went there, I found it really transformed me on like a deep foundational level in a way that I really wasn't anticipating at all. Um, so I'm really excited to explore how these other astrocartography lines might influence me as I continue to travel.
0: Did you do anything special while you were in Moab to feel that way or just being there was Honestly, like, you got that feeling?
1: Like just being there when we were on the drive in, I could sense something. I was like, wow, this is really profound. There's like definitely an energy here. And I went with my boyfriend and we went on a just on a drive to go take pictures. And I was like, I'm not even going to look up a map. I'm just going to follow my intuition and see what happens. And we ended up at the absolutely like most beautiful photo spot. It was right off the road. We got these stunning like panoramic views and it was just like completely unexpected, but felt so right. And it was really transformational.
0: That's so cool! I need to look mine up because now I'm thinking about when I went to Louisiana. We went out in like the middle of a swamp in the middle of Louisiana, and I had a very similar experience. So now I'm like, I wonder if I have a line through. I'm new getting Orleans. like
1: chills. You'll have to tell me if you do.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. I'll let you know. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Do you have any um, like books or apps or resources or anything that you're like if somebody's new to astrology and they want to learn more about it where should they check that out
1: um so youtube is always a great resource this is where Mm -hmm. i learned a lot was just i looked up different astrologers i found a couple different people who i really resonated with um so check it out and see who who you resonate with and who you would want to learn from because i think there's a lot of instructional videos out there Mm -hmm. um if you want to go deep into the technique like i did um i really recommend the book hellenistic astrology by chris brennan um, it's the closest thing to an astrology textbook that I have ever found. Um, and then cafe astrology has lots and lots of information online that you can read up about all the different signs as well.
0: Okay. Also quick question. If somebody doesn't know their birth time, can you still figure out your birth chart?
1: Yes. It's a little trickier because the birth time Establishes the ascendant. So that's the rising sign, mm. which establishes the rest of the whole sign house system. So if you can get a general time or even like a close where it's like between these hours, this range, a lot of the time I can ask some determining questions to try and determine the ascendant. And I've mm. had pretty good success with that so far, but it can be a little bit trickier.
0: Got it. Cause I've heard of people being like, I want to do this, but I don't know my birth time. And I was like, I wonder if that ruins things.
1: (laughs) It can make it a little bit more complicated, but I would say, uh, ask some family members and see if anybody has that information, um, available to you. Sometimes it's on birth certificates, Sometimes it's not. So if you're able to get it, it makes things easier, but sometimes it's not a hundred percent necessary and we can still figure it out.
0: Got it. Okay. Where can everybody find you if they want to do a reading, uh, with you or anything like that?
1: I would love to connect with people if they are interested in learning more about astrology and how it's significant for them and what their chart might hold. Um, You can find me on Instagram at citrineandstars. That's (laughs) citrine.and.stars. And that's where I am right now.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. I feel like I learned so much about astrology today.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be able to talk about it with you today.
0: If you loved this episode, please let me know. Subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share it on your Instagram stories, and with your friends, and let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Erica Ashley and at irrepressible the podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and I will see you next week.